Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 21 of a series of episodes uh, that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. We're going to be focused on evangelism. One of our goals with this whole thing, and we have several goals, is to uh, is really try to stir everybody up, uh, to stir everybody up with love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our family or friends or neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, uh, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. For those, those of you that don't know, Franklin is about 20 miles south of uh, in downtown Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so that'll give you an idea of about where we are. Um, those of you that know me know that I'm uh, passionate about evangelism, and I have been ever since uh, I was taught and obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old, uh, living in uh, Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, and ever since then, I've been striving to learn more about this, to learn how to teach others. So I'm going to use some Bible phrases, how to sow the seed, uh, how to become a fisher of men. And, and women, of course, to make disciples, to persuade men and women, and to teach others to teach. I spend a lot of time in that, teaching others how to teach. And I've been using this passage uh, in every interview so far, and I'll probably continue to do it. Paul, talking to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, said, And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women, who will be able to teach others also. And also, another place there, Paul said to, that we need to learn how to be useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So I came up with this idea to identify the men and women out there who are doing this, the ones that are the fellow workers who are reaching and leading others to Christ. And once we've identified who they are, to interview them. We want to learn more about them. We want to learn who they are, where they are, how they're doing their work. And so today, we're excited to have with us someone that we can learn a lot from. And so uh, I want to encourage you to get out your paper and pen and, and take notes today. But we're delighted to have with us Julie Adams. Julie is, first of all, a Christian. She worships with the Veterans Parkway Church of Christ in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, hello, Julie. Hello, Dan. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm very excited to be here today. Well, we are so excited to have you. And, uh, you know, it's, it, and I guess we're going to say it's an honor. I, you know, but we can do oh, that. Oh, my. We can, we can do that because it's our, our show, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> but you're the, we've talked about from the beginning to interview men and women and not just preachers. I think that's one of our problems is that mm -hmm. we think, the, the teaching out there is that the only one that can do evangelism is the preacher, and that's as far from the truth as anything could be. Uh, but we've got a, a, a list of, uh, right now it's a, it's a short list, but growing, of women that we want to talk to, And uh, but you get to be the first one today. And uh, so we thank you for taking the time. I, I want to do something. I pulled this off of uh, your website, and I'd like to, and I got permission from you, so yeah. I'd like to read this real quick. Now, this is a bow, but we're going to have you give your own bow in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, but Ju Julie Adams has seen life through many lenses. As a registered nurse for over 35 years, she has experienced the joys of the journey. Her love for people, and especially those who find themselves alone, has given her the willingness to find purpose 
for life. I really like that. Having written the book, Teach Me to Love, she learned how love is greater than we can imagine. Julie is a certified mental health and addictions coach and a certified life coach. She has a bachelor's degree in healthcare administration. She wears various parenting hats and has learned that children just want to belong. How long could we talk about that? Uh -huh. She is married to Wilson Adams, who preaches at the Veterans Parkway Church of Christ. And those of you that will remember, we interviewed, uh, I think he was episode number six uh, when we interviewed Wilson. So Julie, just uh, again, great to have you today. And it's been special over the last few years of getting to know you better. And that uh, started to say that crazy guy that you're married to, that doesn't say <laughs> That works. I, I, say, I, say that in a, I say that in a loving way. No, uh, so of course you do. Of course I do. Yes. Yes. But yes. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it, we're fine here. This this episode will only last about twenty five minutes, so it, it does go fast. And so we like to start out with what we've done every episode. Uh, if you would give us a quick bio about, you know, let's start out. I mean, let's go back to the beginning. Where you were born? Who taught you the truth? And tell us a little bit about Julie for those out those that don't know you. Okay. Sure. I was born in West Virginia. Um, to Weldon and Betty Warnock, and my dad uh, preached his entire life. So I grew up in that world, and I'm still living in that world. What helped me a lot to see people outside of the building was when I became a nurse and started dealing with people from all walks of life, which gave me an opportunity not only to see hurting people, literally, but also to kind of check myself as well. And so then fast forward, I get married and I become a step parent. And that was an eye-opening experience. Had a, a biological son, Luke. And then we adopted three teenagers from an orphanage in Bulgaria three years ago. So my lens of parenting is vastly different because I've had to learn different styles. And then currently I'm working on my master's in human services counseling and hope to complete that next year. And I'm just keep on moving forward in how I can better prepare myself for people. Well, that's, that's great. You know, and one thing, and this is why I do these interviews, one things that people say, I just kind of feed off of it, right? But mm -hmm. I, I just want to commend you for, uh, I know it's not, it's not nice to ask people how old they are, but, but <laughs> that, you, that you are continuing your education that you're still dreaming about what you're going to be when you grow up, maybe, right? Remember as a kid when we'd hear right. that? Right, right. Uh, but no, I'm serious. I, I commend you for uh, working on uh, that, that additional degree there because it's going to better equip you to help others, right? It, well, exactly, because I can't decide that, well, at this particular age, I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm 62 years old and going back to school. And what that does is, is to keep me mentally alert and to keep me learning because as long as I'm on this earth, I'm here for a purpose until either my mind can no longer function or my time is over. So I need to make the most of my time. Okay. I, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, it's we could spend our time. That's, that's not the purpose of this, but there's so many people out there, Julie, that they've quit dreaming. Mm -hmm. They've just quit. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and we need to dream more and, you know, and, and to think about that uh, too many people have just kind of stopped. And there's, one thing is for sure, 
and you've heard this your whole life, uh, I'm, I'm, I imagine, is that you don't retire as a Christian. You know, you, oh, no. You know, I know. And uh, But some people just, uh, when they retire from their secular work, they just uh, shut everything down. But uh, that's what we're trying to do is to get people to look at this whole thing of being a disciple of Christ differently. And uh, I've said this uh, in every episode, too, uh, is that in a lot of congregations, and I'm not saying this to be negative, I'm just, uh, I'm just talking, I'm 74, and my experience over the years of, of seeing other congregations and where the thing we're going to be talking about today, evangelism, honestly, it's not even going on. No. Uh, if, no. it, if, anybody, if anybody's taught in the congregation, uh, if they still have young parents with children, it's the children that are growing up. But hardly anybody from the community is being reached at all, not even an attempt to be. Uh, so we just think that there's something wrong with that picture, and we need to look at this differently. And so, you know, uh, I didn't grow up in the church like you did, and, and I think in some of these things, your perspective is probably different from mine, uh, just because of uh, I just wasn't exposed to the things uh, that you were. And let's let's talk with that. What 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 kind of a blessing was that for you, Julie, growing up with your parents both being Christians? Well, the blessings are is that you get a firm foundation um, that can always fall back on. It's it's a script that you learn from the very beginning, and you get to associate with people who are like minded. That's that's a, a real blessing. If we can go to the other side of where that can be a problem is that you think the whole world is supposed to be like that. And when they aren't, it's uh, a little, you kind of push them back. And that is almost a generation thing that I think we are seeing. Hopefully we're not doing that as much as years ago. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about there. You know, the, to talk just for a few minutes and, um, the role of women in evangelism. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I've, I've written a couple of notes here, but my observation over the years has been that obviously we know the scriptures, God has given us his plan, uh, the role of men and women is, in, in regards to uh, church, if you will, and organization and all the things that we're supposed to do. And we respect that and, and do our best to abide by that. But I'm afraid, that, I mean, I could say the same thing about men, where men have not, many have not realized what their role should be, and they're putting it all the work on somebody else. And the same thing with women. I think there's just, we've got so many talented women out there that have, have been restricted, maybe restricting themselves or have been restricted by others of how they can be involved in, in leading others to Christ. And, uh, and that's why I want to talk about that a little bit, because uh, there's just so many things that women can do that men can't do. You, you can set up a study with somebody that you know that I don't even know, or I, maybe they would feel uncomfortable with me approaching them where, you know, it, it's somebody in your world that you could, uh, that you can approach. You could set up, a, I'll run through it quickly. You could set up a study with them. If you're willing and if a lady is willing to do that, maybe the, maybe two women go together uh, to try to set up a study with another woman. So this kind of rambling there to kind of get your thoughts going. Tell me some of the things that you've done and, you've see, and what you've seen other women do. Well, here's one of the things about women is that sometimes we forget we are Christians also. So we are not identified in the gospel only because we are married or because we know somebody. We have our own work to do 
in the kingdom. So that's how we have to start thinking. We're kingdom workers. One of the things I've seen in the past when I have participated in ladies' classes, which I find to probably be one of the most crucial and critical aspects of women that we have to work on, is prayer. In a ladies' class, when I'm conducting it and I ask a lady to lead a prayer, the majority of the women will look away and it's saying, please don't ask me to do that. And what's interesting is that these women, many of them are mothers. They've taught their children how to pray, but we've limited ourselves in our own prayer lives. So you have to start with understanding what your prayer life is supposed to look like, your relationship with God and how that relationship then empowers you to have relationships with other people. That's where we tend to back away because when you start having relationships with people who don't look like you, act like you, talk like you, we don't know what to do with them. Do you remember those um, years ago, those projector slides you would get when you had a Bible study? Yes, yeah. (laughs) You remember in those slides how everybody was dressed and positioned around each other? (laughs) I do, yes. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, kind of sterile. (laughs) Yes, yeah, very much so. Yes, yes, and so that's where we tend to go. And we have to get out of that um, and become more comfortable with ourselves and with other people. All right. So uh, as in most things, what is uh, what I like about what you said there is that as an individual woman, I've got to come to, to terms with that to say, hey, there's there's more than I can do here. And I think it's fascinating that you said what you did about the prayer life to start with that, because if if we. Uh, you know, I, I love the passage in, in Ephesians 3.20 where Paul there says that talking about prayer that, that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask and think. That just, mm-hmm. That's just an amazing passage to me. But women, need to, they need to realize that as well. Again, I, I know I've, I've talked to, uh, to so many people of, of uh, different women in their lives. Often it was their mother or their grandmother but is there a woman that comes to mind that uh, that you knew or in the past that maybe was a mentor to you that that understood this and was really involved? Uh, yes, there's a there's something that happened when I was just had gotten out of nursing school, um, still living with my parents, and we had moved to another state, feeling very alone and isolated. And there was a lady named Polly Phillips. Her husband was H. E. Phillips. Elwood, his some knew him by from years ago. Um, neither one of them are living now. But at Christmas time, we had we were too far from family, and so she took it upon herself, and she had a big family, to say, "You all need to come and sit with us, and be with us on Christmas, and be with us at our table." Okay. That meant the world to me, and I was probably twenty-two years old. But at 40 years later, I still remember that time in my life. I still remember that gesture of kindness to people who were feeling very alone and isolated, who shouldn't be, right? 
as Christians, we shouldn't no. be feeling that way. Not at all. Not at all. But it was someone else outside of where we were that made that offer. And so that taught me a lot about how to reach out to people who are lonely, who you're not worried about what they're going to bring to your home. You're not worried about anything that they're going to say or do. You just want them to feel like they belong on an important day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people that are out there that, that are all around us that would fit that description, right? Uh, the ones that are lonely, mm-hmm. we're, especially in this crazy time that we're in in 2020 with all the insanity that's going on, <laughs> is that, you know, people are just, uh, I saw a report last night on the news, we're talking about the number of uh, dementia cases that are going up, the number of Alzheimer cases that are going up, mm-hmm. the number the number of, uh, uh, horribly, the number of suicides that are taking place. And because people, they're so lonely, they can't get around, they're scared to death. And, right. uh, and so that's, that's the world that we're living in today. So, uh, you know, again, to, to reach out to, is a nurse, I, I would think, uh, not having been a nurse, my degree is in health and physical education. And I remember a lot of the classes in my undergraduate work, we, it was in the, uh, in the classes that the nurse, majority of the, of the people in there were nurses. So mm-hmm. if, I, if I had taken a couple of other classes, I'd be certified as a nurse as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, just the people that you come in contact with that, again, because of your work, that others can't, that gives you an opportunity, especially if you hear something uh, of a spiritual nature that you can bring up a conversation, right? Well, well, absolutely. And that's, that's the point that I want women to understand a little bit more, that no matter where you are in life, learn how to build relationships with people. That's yes. what Jesus did. And, yes. and here's what we get into sometimes. It's called the card and casserole syndrome. And we believe, a lot of women, that if we send a card or bake a casserole, that we've done our job. Now, that's not to take away from cards or a delicious casserole for people. I'm not taking away from that. But there is more to it than that. There is a lot more to it than that. And what we see Jesus doing is he is purposely and intentionally getting with people that the rest of the people around him thought, how dare you interact with somebody like that? Are we doing that? Are we doing that to where people are saying, why in the world did you sit with them? Did you have them over? I don't know. My guess is not like we should be. Yeah. 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 Jesus was criticized for eating with the sinners and the publicans. And uh, the shock, the shock that his disciples even had when, when he was talking to the woman at the well. Uh, I know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, we, we've, uh, we, you, you mentioned prayer, and oftentimes we sing songs of, uh, you know, to the work. To the, think about the, the, some of the old songs that maybe we don't even sing that much anymore, mm-hmm. of, uh, of talking and encouraging each other to be involved in, in this work of evangelism. Maybe in some places we're not even singing those songs. But our, pray to God to give us, put somebody in our path, you know, lead me to some soul today, the song that we have on this. And then we pray to God for that. He puts the people on our path and we just don't even recognize them. They're right there. And we just turn our head and walk away. You're exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Because people are messy. People are messy. 
and they will take a lot of your time and they will infringe on your time and you have to make a, a, a decision that says it's okay because you have value and you are important and if I can bring something into your life today or if I can help you see the Lord today through me then that's what I need to do and that's the problem Dan is that many of us are closed the garage door and we're done for the day yeah. and we can't we can't keep doing that because especially after this pandemic has run its course forever how long that's going to be we have a lot of people who are going to be left as wounded in all kinds of ways and are we going to be the good samaritan or are we going to walk by and as women we need to be good samaritans because we are nurturers we do that really well and people who are hurting need to be nurtured yes they do um you know uh another reason i was excited about uh, the interview today is that uh with the, the uh, here's a technology thing we were looking at the stats on the number of people that are watching the episodes and we're real excited we're in foreign countries and, and uh anyway mm -hmm. But the majority, listen to this, Julie, the majority of the people that are listening to the podcast, guess what? They're women. Yes. They're mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And I just, when I saw that, I thought, now, isn't that interesting? And mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I, I really think there's more women out there that are interested in this subject and have just never broached it before or never uh, thought about making an application that this would apply to them. And yeah. I, I really do. Yeah, I think I think women are searching because women women do that. You know, even when in counseling, women are usually the first ones to make the call. That's just how we're wired that way. So women are searching. A lot of women are silently hurting. A lot of women don't know where to go, who to talk to, what do I do? So they are very hungry for a, a new way of life, a new way of living, and how to do that. But it goes back to you start with your prayer life first and you connect yourself with God in a way that you never have before. And here's what I know that works. If you pray for opportunities and you really mean it, it will happen. Oh, I agree with that. I really mm -hmm. do. Uh, several things here that's going to be the takeaway uh from uh from your uh interview the card and casserole syndrome i like that and the close close the garage door and and you're right women are searching now you know it's fascinating not only are women searching that are christians because there's so many christian women that are lonely but then you dream a little bit and all the women are out here in the world that have no direction nobody and uh, they need help so bad and uh, again you're going to be better equipped in, in many of those cases to reach out to those women that I am just because mm -hmm. of the, of, of you being a, a fellow female, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just need to, the, the women, our Christian friends need to, uh, the women need to open their minds to the women in their world, going to all the world. Well, the women that are in your world. One time I was doing a, a workshop on evangelism, which I do. And one of the uh, sisters, uh, while we were talking, I said, well, who do you know in your world? Who, who, just think about some of the people that you know. And this sister said, uh, Dan, I, all of my friends are Christian. And I thought for a minute, I went, really? 
I said, uh, I said, you know, your hair always looks really nice. By the way, is your beautician, is she a Christian? And she went, uh, no. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> you know, and you just said that everybody, you don't know anyone. Uh, you know, so it's just being aware of the people in our lives that, that are not Christians that need our help. And that's the role that we can play. Is there a story that comes to mind that maybe with uh, with you and Wilson or you just you uh, of, of a conversion story of somebody that's obeyed the gospel that you've always been impressed with the circumstances perhaps or the uh, is there anyone that comes to mind like that? Well, I you know we are living the gospel in our home every day because yeah. of adopting children. You see, kids who grew up in orphanages or kids who are always in the foster care system those children are living in the devil world. And that's, here's what I mean by that. In an orphanage, you don't talk about God. In a foster care system, it's hard to believe there is a God because of where you are in your life. Yes. And so it just seems like the whole world is, is evil. So we live the gospel every day at this kitchen table and in our living room and in our car. We adopted three, two of them have become Christians and we've had them for, for three years. What that says to me is, first of all, I, I couldn't just say, you've got to love Jesus as soon as they came here. I right. couldn't do that. I had to live it. Do I always live it the way I'm supposed to? No, but the beauty of it is they could see that when I fail, I can, I can walk again because I believe I have a reason to do that. They're beginning to learn that they have a reason as well. So when they come to your home and say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in any of that stuff. To some people that sounds, sounds terrible. But to us, we had decided that if that's how you believe, okay, but you're missing out on a lot that you've not known before. Yeah. And you just keep living your life. And so that's what you need to do is not try to force feed, but live it in front of people so that they'll see something you have. And you know, we've talked about this for years in the church, but have we really done it? And my answer is no, because we're afraid. There's a lot of fear in, in being a proactive, intentional Christian. There's a lot of fear in that. And you have to overcome that in order to to at least break ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fear is, uh, it, maybe it is the number one thing on the list. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to uh, meeting those three kids one of these days. I feel like I know them from being friends on Facebook and watching mm -hmm. some of the stories. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved it the other day when Alex kicked the extra point. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. that was, uh, not, not to just single him out. Oh, oh, no. Well, here's the thing is that he practiced in the backyard for months and months and months, and he would get very discouraged. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm never going to do I'm never, never, never. And so Wilson and I are, you got to keep on. You got to, you've got to see this through. You've got to see this through. And finally it came to fruition. It's like, see, this is what happens if you just keep on keeping on keeping on. It's the same with Leah. She works at Chick-fil-A. She had wanted to quit so many times. No, don't do it. Hang in there. Don't do it. Go, go. 
She's been there over a year. She got a note from two bosses that says, we love watching you grow and develop into one of the best workers we have. Yeah, that's so, that's so exciting. Yeah, it, it is. Really, it is. And that's, you know, seeing children grow, seeing, uh, seeing uh, other Christians grow, that's part of the joy, too, of the, the whole process of what, mm-hmm. planting the sowing the seed and then watching that plant, if you will, grow and water it and nurture it. And then, and then see it come to fruition. I mean, it's just the, the joy factors, if you will, of, uh, of watching Christians grow is an exciting thing. You know what? We're already out of time. You see how oh, fast? No. <laughs> I know it, how fast that went. If yeah. there was, I, I know that I want to just mention this, but those that would be interested in, uh, there's going to be somebody out there that you know, might say, I, I'd like to get to know Julie. Uh, is there some contact information that you'd be willing to share? Oh, absolutely. They can just um, find me on my email. Um, and that's uh, J-O-T-J, which stands for Joy of the Journey. Oh. J-O-T-J, 1958, which is the year I was born, <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you what the J-O-T-J. Joy of the Journey. <laughs> oh, Joy of the Journey. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then also, the, uh, I wanted to mention the Courageous Living uh, uh, books that you guys have. And then at the same site, they can see information there about the counseling that, that you and Wilson are doing. And yes. So that you could help there, that would be great too. So Absolutely. We'd, we'd love to hear from anyone. All right. There's so many more things I wish we could talk about. And uh, we'll follow up with you. But thank you again so much. We love you guys and appreciate so much everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. Keep it up. And, all right. Uh, and we will talk soon. All right. Okay. Thanks so much, Dan. It was just a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Julie. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.